Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. What's up, everybody? It's time for the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, and today I've got a great lineup for you. I am so psyched about today. We have two Raiders, one former Raider, one current Raider that will join the show here. We're going to start it off with none other than Pro Football Hall of Famer and former wide receiver great for the Raiders, Tim Brown. We'll also be joined by running back Kenyon Drake, and he'll talk all about his walk that he's doing in Las Vegas to support epilepsy. So let's go ahead and get started first with Tim Brown, former Raiders wide receiver. We started off talking all about his first experiences performing at Allegiant Stadium. You came down to Vegas. You were a part of the Pro Bowl. You got to perform with the gospel choir that was down here <laughs> and see parts of Allegiant that were like parts you hadn't seen before, like the locker room. What was the experience like for you coming into the stadium? And first of all, getting to perform with the gospel choir. Yeah, you know, I've been doing that for over 20 years now. When I was still in the league, I was uh, performing with those guys. They're a great group of singers. So I'm in the background just just being a part but uh, it was it was really good to be. That was rather unique. You know, I've been in I don't know how many national anthems, but I've never been on that side before. So that was that was really a unique moment for me. And and, you know, and I, I made a little video uh, basically saying, you know, I dreamt about performing on this field, but maybe not quite like this, you know. So <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was a unique moment. Again, having like you said, having a chance to go to the locker room and and see the locker room was uh, was really, really uh, a good moment for me, for sure. You also got to come down to Allegiant when Tom Flores and Charles Woodson got their Pro Football Hall of Fame rings mm-hmm. and those were presented to them. You were on the field with a ton of greats from Ted Hendricks to Jim Otto. What was that like for you to be able to experience that moment with them at Allegiant Stadium? You know, I mean, Coach Flores should have been in years ago, right? And uh, it was great to see him being being able to recognize uh, on this earth, right? And not, uh, you know, in a situation where he's already gone. But um, so uh, it was it was great being around him. He was so emotional about the whole situation, and rightfully so. I mean, it, it, it's it's something that uh, once you achieve that, I mean, you're good to go, right? It's, it's, it's good. It's a good time for you. So, of course, Woodson, we all knew, was going to be a first ballot guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, he may be the only guy who comes behind me that I played with uh, that's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I don't know if I have another guy who came in after me that uh, maybe Steve Wisniewski may sneak in years from now. Okay. But um, other than that, I don't know if there will be another guy. Wow. I hadn't even thought that way. And mm. now that you mention it, yeah, that's insane. And what's I think even more crazy is that it took this long for cliff branch to finally get his due what are your thoughts on first just how long that took to happen you know when i came into the league in 88 they were talking about cliff going into the to the hall of fame (laughs) you know i mean and now here we are in 2002 2022 i should say and uh it's really a shame it really is and i'm heartbroken uh, that he can't be here to to be recognized because he would absolutely be losing his mind <laughs> right about now because it was such a big deal for him. 
And uh, I know his family is going to honor him the best they can, but uh, I'm, I'm really heartbroken. And um, I got a little emotional about that when they made the announcement because I, I've had so many conversations with him over the years mm -hmm. and um, you knew how important it was, not just, you know, to have the HOF behind your name, but the recognition that what you did really meant something in, in the NFL. And I think, um, you know, again, it's a shame that uh, he can't be here to see it. Yeah. 2018, you got to go into the California uh, Sports Hall of Fame with him. What was it like to experience that moment with Cliff? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, that was a moment where I was trying to get up and get down and let him have all the shine that he could possibly have, you know, because he definitely deserved it. Uh, I had an incredible year with the Raiders, but I didn't have any rings. And, uh, you know, and those guys – uh, not only did they play great football, but they, they got the championships to, to prove it. And uh, to me, uh, that's that's going to always take precedence over, you know, a guy happened to play, you know, 16 years and right. uh, put up all kinds of numbers. Yeah. Uh, speaking of all these numbers this past season, the Raiders did pretty well. Ten wins, seven losses, but make the wild card get into the playoffs. Uh, it took this team a while to get back to there from the 2016 season to when you guys were in the Super Bowl. What do you think it'll take to see this team go deeper into the playoffs based on what you saw in 2021 with them? Well, if they if they play in the future with the kind of grit they played with after what happened with, with Gruden and uh, Ruggs and, and Arnett and, and uh, even the, uh, the fullback, uh, in, in, uh, in go, yeah. It, it, yeah, you know, in you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, they had four weeks that were 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 about, uh, were about as as bad as you can possibly get for a football team. You lose your head coach, you lose your starting receiver, lose a first round pick. You know who you know is going to be a pivotal, pivotal part of your your defense, and then to lose the captain of your of your team. That's that's devastating. But they played with, uh, you know, a grit that I hadn't seen this team play with uh, in a lot of years. And uh, and that was the only reason why I was calling for the Raiders not to change head coach position. Let's see what they can do in a, with a full year. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it doesn't work out, you can move there. But um, but uh, but they decided to go ahead and and uh, and switch out everything. So I, I just hope that Josh can get these guys playing like they played the last five or six weeks of the football season early in the year. And if he can do that, I think this team will go uh, deep into the playoffs because God knows uh, that's the kind of uh, attitude that you got to have going into the playoffs. And I think everybody was still a little surprised, still like we really did this, you know, eyes wide open about it. But um, now that they have a taste of it, I think um, everybody wants to go deeper and, and find out what this thing is really all about. Now, of course, uh, back in your playing years, Tim, you had a little bit of experience with the Patriots, particularly one game that stands out, uh, the Tug Rule game. But uh, as you see Josh McDaniels, he comes in, he tells Mark Davis it's his icebreaker to say it was a fumble. <laughs> uh, just, you know, with, with that, just what do you think that like having him now in this organization is, is like for Raider, Raider fans, guys like yourself that went through that experience of that game? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's great to hear, um, 
him say that, uh, joking or not, but we heard it from the horse's mouth, though. We heard Tom Brady say it was a fumble many times in that 30 for 30, so uh, I think we can all rest at ease now that the NFL, the referees got us. Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a Tom Brady deal, but um, yeah, you know, look, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, Josh has a uh, has a um, uh, uh, he's in a pretty good position. Let me just put it that way. I mean, because you got a team, a veteran football team at at, at the quarterback position anyway, that, um, you know, you should be able to come in and get this guy on track pretty quickly. And uh, and I think the great thing about Josh is he's been a head coach and uh, he didn't succeed. And he knows exactly why he didn't succeed. And uh, so now you don't make those same mistakes again. And uh, with this team, especially with a veteran quarterback, uh, you could you could put yourself in a good position to make a run here for the next three or four years. In December, I happened to notice on Twitter that I went back and, and looked at some of your tweets, and I, I remembered one of them in particular stood out to me. And it was in reference, I believe, to the Kansas City game that happened at the end of your 99 season, where they were going for the title. You guys played the role of spoiler. You were down 17 nothing in the first quarter, but you came back and won the game, and you were saying that there was a lot of talk in the locker room before that if you're not going to play full out, then don't bother coming out of the locker room. Uh, You balled out there, had over a hundred yards in that game. But when you think of the mentality that it goes through to come back from the adversity and how I believe you wrote something to the effect of like there needed to be someone in the locker room to kind of boost these guys, to elevate them, to get their mindset right, to go out on the field. What, is that person there on this team? Is there that guy that's going to add that spark that you've seen from the outside looking in? Well, I, I have to say, yeah. I mean, because they were able to do that, right? And uh, and finish the year, you know, winning what the last four games of the year to to get into the playoffs. You know, I think from that standpoint, I don't know who that guy is. I hope it's not Derek Carr, and and I only say that because you know I, I always thought that that position is to be reverenced. You know, but I don't think that guy should be your emotional leader on on the uh, Rich Gannon was never our emotional leader of the football team. But he was a guy that when he walked in the room, didn't nobody want to mess with him. Didn't nobody want to joke around with him for the most part, because, you know, we knew, hey, this guy's head had to be on on right. And um, he has a lot to think about. I used to tell people all the time the great thing about Rich Gannon. He knew where everybody was supposed to be on the field, including the referees. You know, everybody's supposed to be in their right spot. If a referee wasn't in the right spot, he'd tell him, you're not supposed to be right. You're supposed to be over there. So, uh, but I I just think, man, that, um, you know, whether it's Crosby or, you know, whether it's uh, Jacobs, um, it would be awesome if it was one of those big office linemen, you know, getting hyped up, getting ready to go. Uh, But uh, so I don't know who that guy is, but obviously they got something working if they could come back from what they came back from in the middle of the season and uh, make the playoffs. Now, as you look towards this year, they're probably going to need somebody that can really be like a, a dominant wide receiver, a number one wide receiver. They have Hunter Renfro, they have Darren Waller, they're both great, but who, what kind of receiver do you see would really help to elevate the offense on this team? Well, I, I've been saying for a couple of years, and I think this Edwards kid is uh, is who they really need. You know, he's not their speed guy, but, you know, from 20 yards and under, he should he should be ruling the, the roost, you know what I mean? And uh, and that just hasn't happened so far. And I don't know what the reason is for that. And I know he was injured for a minute. Uh, last year, I think he was relatively healthy. 
but uh, just never really got on track. You know, uh, after the big Baltimore game, you thought that, you know, maybe this was going to be his year, but it just seemed to never happen. And um, so I just think, man, uh, they have a guy in Edwards, unless there's something I don't know, I think he could be that intermediate guy, you know, uh, that can make things happen for him. And um, in that offense, you need a guy who is going to run the 5, 10, and 15-yard routes. Well, it's a different offense now, right? So I don't know what I don't know what the, what the offense is going to be. But, uh, yeah. but you know, I, I just think that uh, you got to have a guy underneath that everybody knows is 35. You know, right now that's, that's Hunter. You know, everybody knows the ball is going to him. But um, if Edwards could become a, a guy that people know that they're going to go to him on certain downs, well, that would just make this offense really, really tough to uh, to defend. I know like his rookie year, he was injured, but he came on in the final game, had you know his touchdown. Then a lot of people thought he was going to grow off of that. And I, I wanted to just to get your take on like how patient can this team be with him in trying to get him to become that receiver in that role? Well, I don't know when his contract is up, but it's got to be coming up pretty soon, yeah. if, if not already. So, um, and, you know, in your contract year, man, if you don't go out and get it done in your contract year, then you pretty much know that uh, uh, it's not going to happen for you. So I, I just think from that standpoint, you know, you, you shouldn't look at that as pressure. You know, uh, the couple of time, couple times that I was in that position, I um, I used to say to myself, I'm, a, I'm a auditioning for uh, in front of uh, 31 other teams, you know what I mean? And if the Raiders don't want to keep me, then, you know, I'll be I'll be out the door. But let's go out and put a put a good audition out there. So, uh, you know, give the people something to see that they can make a good judgment on. So um, and I think, you know, whether, wherever your mindset is, whatever you need to think to play better is what you need to think. And uh, for me, it was having that, you know, sort of, well, I'll prove them wrong type deal. Uh, they should have had my contract done by now type deal was the attitude I took. Well, I had to tell you, a lot of the Raider fans right now, they'd love to see you out back with the team, some capacity coaching. I went to Twitter yesterday and I told people I was going to be speaking with you for my podcast. And I asked the fans to send in some questions. Uh, one of them was, would you ever consider coming back to the Raiders under a coaching role? Uh, coaching. No, I, I, I just, I just couldn't. I mean, uh, I've spent so much of my life away from home, away from my family that, you know, coaching is worse than playing, you know, because of the hours that they put in, you know, and um, I have a buddy who's part of the commanders. Is that the name of the team? Yes, now? The yes, Washington yes. Commanders. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, he, Randy Jordan played with me with the Raiders and you know, he's been a coach ever since. And, um, you know, I, I have about a week, uh, every off season to, to be with him because, uh, they're, they're working, you know, and I'm like, Randy, it's off season, brother. It's off season. He was like, Brian, it's a job. It's a job. <laughs> so, um, you know, no, I just, you know, um, I just couldn't do the, uh, the grind on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's unfortunate. Um, you know, because I really do like teaching the game. I've, I've had the opportunity to do that uh, with my, my son who was in high school. Uh, uh, well, he, he's in college now, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I had the opportunity when he was playing football. But um, that grind is just too much for me, unfortunately. But I would like to be around, you know, just be around every blue moon and yeah. be, be able to, uh, you know, help out in some kind of way. But um, 
I, that coaching thing would be a little bit too much for me, I think. All right. So here are the two that stood out to me the most. If you don't mind, if uh, I can ask you these couple fan questions. Sure. So we have Alex Santos at DJ Al in the mix. He says, can you explain why it's important for the home crowd to be loud during the opposing team's huddle and not just when they're at the line of scrimmage? He said you explained this in the Bay years ago. <laughs> uh, well, you know, in the huddle is when you're trying to get, get the plays in and, uh, you know, if guys can't hear, you can always tell if, if, if they can't hear because the you'll see the the uh, quarterback calling the play, and and after the play is called, you'll see guys like move in closer into the huddle and just trying to trying to hear what what did you say? Because in a lot of these instances, um, a letter or a word makes a big big difference in and wh- which way the play is is happening. So. I mean, if there's any kind of miscommunication out there, that it's a big, big deal. No doubt about that. So, uh, yeah, I had a lot of conversations with Raider fans about when to boo, especially when we're on the foot field. Please don't boo when we're, <laughs> when we're yeah. on the field. So. Okay. Here's another one from Primetime Bishop. One word to describe how you felt after getting your 1,000 reception against the Jets. Uh, one word would be honored. You know, I, I just felt like uh, after going through the um, major knee surgery I had gone through and yeah. in my second year, uh, dealing with what I had to deal with as far as, you know, not being able to play. I didn't didn't really play in the offense for three years after that. Um, you know, so my career really didn't kick back in until late 92 uh, when Mervyn Fernandez got hurt. And uh, I started the rest of the year and played uh, fairly well. And uh, in 93, I made the Pro Bowl as a wide receiver. So uh, so from that time to 2002, to be able to put up the numbers I was able to put up, uh, the consistency that I was able to show week in and week out, that's, uh, you know, I just felt honored that uh, I was able to put that kind of career together after, you know, really been stunted for four years. Uh, you know, the year I got injured and three years after that, Um, you know, so to be able to come and literally in 10 years and put up the numbers I was able to put up, you know, I was pretty, pretty happy with that. That's great. And now you've got a strong golf game going. (laughs) I've been, I've been hearing a lot about the golf game. How's the golf game? Not not strong enough, even though I don't know if you can barely see that little white ball up there. Ah, Can you see it? Yeah, barely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it up there. So. Yeah, last year, last March, I was at Tim Tebow's tournament. I had a hole in one at the famed uh, TPC Island uh, hole number seventeen, TPC Sawgrass. That's one of the um, really, really crazy ones, right? That a lot of people can't make that shot. Yes, I remember. Yeah, a lot lot of people came and hit the green. So yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. So my boys tell me that, hey man, I know that Heisman Hall of Fame thing means a lot to you, but that hole in one may be. The most impressive thing that you have up there. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something to be proud of for sure. I really appreciate your time today joining me here on the Vegas Nation Takeaways podcast, Tim Brown. Thank you so much. If there's anything that you'd like to tell the fans before you head out um, from the interview here, please take the take the moment to uh, tell anybody. Hey, you know, yeah. thank you, Heidi, by the way. Appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate your time. The only thing I want to say to the fans is, you know, some kind of way we getting too many visitors in our stadium. So, you know, I know we can't control that per se, but we can be louder. 
that them. And we need to make sure that happens. There you have it. Tim Brown has spoken. Y'all need to take word of that, heed that, and keep it back in your mind when you put your tickets up on eBay <laughs> or wherever they are. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, right, right, I appreciate right, right. it again. Right, Tim right. Brown, All Famer, Eisman winner, and also Hole in One on the 17th Green there. Uh, uh, a very difficult golf course from Tim Tebow's tournament. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you have a great day. All right, right there, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to hear from running back Kenyon Drake. (laughs) Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. Welcome back to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. We are brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today. And joining us now, we have Kenyon Drake, who is also on the professional advisory board for the Hunley Foundation, which supports epilepsy. So we're going to talk right now all about his current walk coming up that he has. He has one coming here to Las Vegas, April 3rd. So let's speak with Kenyon Drake now your host here, Heidi Fang, and I'm joined with Las Vegas Raiders running back Kenyon Drake, who also has an epilepsy walk taking place here in Las Vegas, April 3rd. Kenyon, it's a pleasure, first of all, to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Heidi. Yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about the Hunley Foundation. You're um, right now working for this epilepsy walk to take place here in Las Vegas on April 3rd. You're part of the professional advisory board. How did it come to be for you to be a part of this organization? Yeah, first and foremost, uh, Brett Hundley is my guy. Played with him in Arizona. Uh, we're locker mates for or next door neighbors in, in terms of lockers um, for a year and a half while I was there um, after I got traded from Miami. Um, and we uh, kicked it off right away. Um, and I saw how involved he was in the community. And then um, he asked me to be a part of uh, several kind of situations that he had with his uh, foundation. And um, more recently, I'm out here in um, D.C. right now for the uh, Lace Him Up for Epilepsy Walk, uh, which is going to obviously benefit uh, the lives of children and families that are affected uh, by epilepsy. Um, so, you know, I'm just happy to be a part of it. And so it starts up now. It, it goes across the nation pretty much. Um, yeah. Well, actually, it's just specifically in Vegas. But out here, mm-hmm. we're just kind of like, um, raising money, having people come in like uh, Rick from um, a Pawn Shop or Pawn Stars, nice. um, other different type of people to kind of come in and continue to raise uh, awareness for the walk specifically. But um, yeah, I'm a part of the, uh, the board of directors and just kind of uh, want to continue to just raise awareness for uh, that specifically. Uh, I appreciate your dedication to that cause. So many of the Raiders out here are involved in different ways of getting involved with community. What does this say to you to see so many of your teammates from Solomon Thomas to Darren Waller to Max Crosby all really putting forward for these organizations to help out in the community? Um, I know personally I love uh, using my platform to promote positive you know, change in the community. And um, it's cool to have guys 
you know, that are my contemporaries on my, um, you know, this specific team to continue to do the same thing in their respect, uh, respective regards. Um, it also, you know, continues to motivate me to and challenges me to continue to do my part, um, you know, with my personal endeavors or with the endeavors of, you know, if they ask me to be a part of it. You know, I've been to uh, Darren's, um, you know, nonprofit um, like fundraisers. I've been to Solomon's uh, nonprofit fundraiser uh, that he had at uh, David Yerman. Um, just want to continue to help as many as much as I can. And uh, I know that your time here in Las Vegas right now, it's uh, off season as we're speaking. What is it like for you having that first season under your belt? I mean, this team went through a lot and you guys really had to bond together to make it in that run to that playoffs and, and getting in the wild card. What was this first season like for you here in Las Vegas? Um, it was it was uh, amazing to begin with. Um, we had a lot of controversy, but the, the fabric of this team itself was um, built upon dedication. It was built upon, um, you know, overcoming adversity, which we had to do a lot. And um, as the season went on, you know, we just kind of, you know, had our ups and downs uh, with losing our coach, losing a star player, um, you know, tragically, um, you know, injuries, you know, my personal injury. And to kind of see how the team kind of came together. Um, especially after I got hurt in the beginning of December and seeing them kind of um, have the win streak to end the season. And, you know, who can forget that very last game, the overtime game right before to, you know, get us into the playoffs. Obviously, we came up a little short in the playoffs, but, um, you know, it just proved just how resilient this team was. And to that resilience, like you said, how is the injury coming along for you? Uh, where's your status at right now as, uh, you know, the, the off season's here and you can get all the, the therapy in and the, you know, physical therapy and everything? Yeah, I, um, I like to kind of joke around and say, you know, if I didn't have to run around for a living, I'd be fine. I'm walking around fine. Sure. You know, I can, um, you know, I look normal in terms of from a naked eye in terms of, you know, how I can kind of move. But, you know, I know. That's about that's about as fast as I can go right now. So I, I'm gonna get into the. Uh, I just actually got a second surgery, maybe like two weeks ago, to get a pin taken out of my ankle to allow my mobility to kind of be back to normal. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I can now get into the pool, get into like the little anti gravity uh, treadmill, and then from there get back into like solid ground and continue to run again. So I'll be fine once the season comes, like 100%, even before then. So I'm excited. So that 200 yard game kind of guy, he's still in there. I know it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure, no doubt. Uh, what are your thoughts right now on the the new coaches, uh, Josh McDaniels? They just hired a new running back coach. Also having a guy like Dave Ziegler now at GM. You're seeing a lot of changes with the organization. What What are your thoughts on them coming in now? Uh, I'm excited. Um, uh, it'd be my fourth coach since I've been in the league, and, and I'm going on my seventh year and you know that just kind of speaks upon just how much of a turn like the league or specific teams can have just in general from year to year from different players coming in different coaches um you know gm personal you know any type of staff you're going to always going to have change 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 um so i'm just trying to remain constant in you know who i am as a person on and off the field um, making sure that I, you know, when every day I step to the building, I continue to give my best self for the team and uh, whoever else, you know, is going to lead us is going to, you know, have their philosophy, but I'm excited to, you know, um, do what I need to do to, you know, help this team continue to win games.
I don't want to get too detailed into what could happen in the next season because that's a long ways off right now, even though it's really not. But, you know, <laughs> when you look at um, just the way the Patriots used to run the football and the mixture that they had of people. I was speaking about this with somebody the other day, how you have Alec Ingle coming back. There's you, there's Josh, you know, maybe Peyton. Uh, when you guys have the the diverse group that you do, what do you foresee as a, as you look at what how the Patriots kind of set their running backs up schemes and how that might work with your your group yeah I, I feel like it's obviously tough to make any type of prediction per se I know we're going to have success first and foremost just because of the group that we have the core group that we have or such dedicated men to their craft to you know team success that that's kind of inevitable um, and I know with the schematic scheme that Josh Daniels is going to employ um, is going to also continue to help with that success. Um, and I know this year with my injuries, with Josh injuries kind of in and out of the season, um, with, you know, obviously uh, Alex in, uh, injury season or season ending injury as well, um, we're going to have a lot of motivation coming back to continue to prove that, you know, we're, you know, top of the top when it comes to running back groups. And, you know, we have a lot to prove. All right. So back to uh, what we have here coming up with the Hunley Foundation, the Walk for Epilepsy in Las Vegas, April 3rd. How can people get involved? What can you tell us detail wise about where they can find information? Yeah, so uh, registration is $30 for adults and $20 for kids. Um, The walk takes place uh, at 10 a.m. and begins at 9 a.m. The opening ceremony is 930 and that's Sunday, uh, April 3rd uh, in uh, this coming year, obviously. Um, so you can register at uh, hunleyfoundation.org. Um, that's H-U-N-D-L-E-Y foundation.org. Um, and like I said, $30 for adults, $20 for kids. Um, all proceeds go to, uh, you know, his foundation to help, you know, people who are afflicted by uh, epilepsy. And, uh, you know, please uh, join up as, uh, as you may. Just last thing, were you surprised that it snowed here in Las Vegas last week? Yeah, <laughs> I saw I was, that on your social media. Yeah, I was very surprised. Um, <laughs> but living in, I'm from Atlanta, so it may it may yeah. snow like once a year there, Good. if not at all in like the next couple years type. And then I live in Alabama where it snowed, you know, fairly the same amount. And then I went from Miami to Arizona to now Las Vegas. So I haven't really been anywhere Really, I've never seen snow really a lot at all. And the most I've actually seen snow ever was yeah. literally yesterday when I had a layover in uh, Minneapolis and oh, I landed. Man. And it was just like I was, I was just astounded. I was like, where's I've never seen snow like this before. And I was delayed for like four hours before mm. I could even get to D.C. So Ouch. like, yeah, it's just funny. Like, I had seen that much snow ever in my life. And I was stuck in it, but I was inside a uh, airport, so it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, I love that video. I was watching your eyes. You're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> snow right, here! Right. <laughs> We're in Vegas and was snowing. It was amazing. <laughs> I tripped out the first time I saw it too. But hey, I uh, really appreciate the time today, Kenyon. Uh, it's great uh, to speak with you, uh, and I uh, wish you all the best with the foundation. Hopefully, we'll get out there April third as well. Make sure that the Review Journal Vegas Nation crew is on covering that. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. And that'll do it for this episode of Takeaways. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you find your podcast or wherever you're listening. And also check out all that we're doing on VegasNation.com. A big shout out and thanks to both of my guests, Kenyon Drake and Tim Brown. It was a pleasure to have both of these gentlemen on here speaking about football, what they love, and also their causes that they support. Thanks everybody again so much for listening. I'll be back next week. 
Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.